0: Welcome to the Nuggets, Inc. podcast, presented by Nobody. I'm your host, Matt Schubert, going to be joined once again by our beat writer, Michael Singer, to talk about Nikola Jokic, MVP, frontrunner, big favorite, getting picked second to last in the All-Star Game. What's that all about? Bones Highland, yeah, we're digging into that one more time before saying goodbye to Bones. All sorts of other topics coming up next. We're in the place where it all started, the padded room, here at Denver Post Podcast Studios, North Washington. Is this still Denver? I'm not sure. I don't know. It's uh, Denver's armpit, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) So, we got a lot to talk about. The trade deadline has passed, uh, a active bones highland smear campaign has come and gone and we have the nuggets on top in the western conference sitting pretty i think the number one seed pretty much locked up mike singer you went to all-star you were on the road you talked to a lot of people you were there when nikola Jokic got picked second to last in the all-star yeah tell me how was it
1: uh all those things happen uh, since we last checked in from uh, the armpit of Denver. And we weren't
0: in the armpit. We were in Englewood, I believe, the last time we talked.
1: Yeah, that is, that's that's kind of like the chest. That's like the core. Casa right? de Singer. Uh, the place is great. Um, yeah, uh, I was out in Salt Lake City uh, where Nikola Jokic and uh, the Nuggets coaching staff were the lone representatives for the top seed in the West. I think at that point they had a five-game lead in the West – Definitely some hurt feelings that KCP wasn't in a three-point contest, that AG wasn't there, that Jamal Murray wasn't there.
0: Would you say they got snubbed?
1: I would, but, um, you know. Who are you
0: taking off, though?
1: Jaron Jackson Jr. like AG deserved to be there over JJJ, in my opinion. Um, I think that's fair. And, 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 you know, depending on how long they stewed over those snubs, uh, at least they were able to reconnect with old friend Bones Highland who was uh, in the Rising Stars game.
0: I I heard something about communication from Bones, uh, who's also engaged in his own Nuggets smear campaign as well, although it seemed like pretty complimentary to Calvin Booth, not so much of Michael Malone.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the most amazing moments was Bones walking out. It was uh, Friday morning for his Rising Stars availability, and it was only local media, standing at his podium bones walked out from behind the curtain he saw me his eyes bugged up and he goes yo in um he was happy to see you i don't know that it was happy it was um it was
0: was he um on a commercial flight happy or was he on i'm at the all-star game happy
1: he was excited to see us and um you know, and, and to his credit, he he answered all the questions. He answered them professionally. He, he talked about um, what broke down, and and to your point, Matt, it was the communication. He, he said it was the communication, not with the front office, but with the coaching staff. He said he would go from game to game and not know what his status was, which if we are to take his word um, completely, you know, at, at 100% truth, then... Um, okay that's an indictment I don't know that we can entirely trust that bones um, you know was being transparent on both fronts so uh, Michael Malone was never asked to my knowledge uh, about the communication line that that bones said uh, frankly because it felt like beating a dead horse dead like I don't care. We've already addressed it. I've talked to Bones about it. He's already come back to Denver and played for the Clippers. He already got roundly booed. Yeah, I was about to say got booed as well. And fickle these fans. Yeah, and I'm just I'm kind of over the Bones story. Like, um, there are a lot of people within the Nuggets organization that that hope he does well um, moving forward and hope he finds a niche, a niche, niche. And I don't think that. Uh, and I don't think that Russell Westbrook joining the Clippers helps his cause. Um, but you know, it, you know, if you remember the Clippers really liked bones on draft night, I've reported that, that they wanted to take him. He thought he was going there. And so maybe he has a runway to establish himself, but it had clearly run its course here. I was pretty stunned at the fans reaction, to be honest. Um, I don't know that he warranted such roundly, like, you know, strong booze from the fans. That was surprising, but, um, Especially they used to love him. I mean, like, four, five weeks ago, the dude was, like, probably the third most favorite guy on the team.
0: We had him for a live podcast, and he stuck around the entire time to autograph everybody's stuff and talk to everybody who attended. Pretty decent
1: guy, so a lo- from what I could tell. Right. And, and lot-
0: also, it must be mentioned, I got a nice photo
1: here of Mike Singer giving him a bro hug at the All-Star Game. Bones and I, I think, squashed it. I think we squashed whatever, whatever beef there was. And I told him that I appreciated how he answered the questions this morning or the morning of the all-star media availability. (coughs) And, you know, and I told him like, good luck in Los Angeles. Like, you know, and I said, and I, and I frankly, I told him this, I said, if there was anything that you wish that I would have done differently, I hope you'd tell me it's verbatim. What I told bones. And he said, no, it's water under the bridge. We're good. Um, and I was like, all right, cool um and, and, you know and, and the only only other thing i wanted to add is that based off my reporting i got absolutely zero pushback from anybody with the nuggets and, and that's only been underscored what i reported um, so nobody
0: refuted the commercial flight
1: nobody refuted anything I, I, everything that i reported was accurate um and you know i I don't have any qualms about that it It is what it is this was this was percolating, and this was not just like a surface level thing. This had been manifesting for a while, and uh ultimately, Calvin Booth said, enough is enough. We have a championship to win. We don't have time to cater to somebody who's who's not content with their role
0: in his place <clears throat> excuse me in his place, Reggie Jackson comes. Off the waiver wire, uh, they pick him up after he was bought out by Charlotte. Charlotte seems like an upgrade, if you ask me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think that just <clears throat> in terms of playoff experience, in terms of understanding your role, in terms of wanting to be there, having a, a you know an established relationship with some of the guys in the locker room already. He's played with KCP, played with Bruce, played with Ish. Um, you know, this is a veteran guy who you don't have to worry about, you don't have to cater to, or you know mend feelings or babysit at all like reggie jackson knows what it is he chose to come here of his own volition wanted to go to a contender and uh they're going to count on him as I-, I believe he's going to be the the backup point guard more so than bruce
0: palmer high's finest
1: well done I
0: had to get that in
1: there well done
0: how how <clears throat> you-, you say he's going to be the the backup point guard does that mean he's like second off the bench first second off the bench or what, what do you think
1: yeah I think Bruce is probably going to be um first off the bench and then there's a question will they stagger Jamal Murray with that second unit and I think they will ultimately I think we're looking at an eight or nine man rotation I think it's probably going to be Jamal and um Reggie you know in tandem because you can trust with with that starting lineup Joker can handle Joker can initiate uh, you can also stagger KCP, or you can also use Bruce in place of Jamal. So you don't necessarily need a point guard with that starting unit when you're alongside Joker. So um, I think it'll be those two guys come playoff time, and then Thomas Bryant is definitely going to be on the right side of the cut line of that, of that rotation. There, there you're at eight guys, and then it becomes a, a little bit murkier. Are, are you talking Vlatko? Are you talking Christian Brown? Um, what about your boy Jeff Green? Um, and what about, uh, your boy's boy, DeAndre Jordan, uh, you know they have depth but i just i think that it's more plausible rather than seeing 10 guys in a game i think it's more plausible we see 10 guys use 10 or 11 guys use throughout the playoffs like in different spot scenarios based off different matchups not a 10 man rotation no that's yeah. not happening that
0: you almost never see that in the playoffs that that 10 guys consistently get on the floor game to game so um calvin booth he talked Uh, about everything that went down in the last couple weeks on, I believe it was Sunday night, uh, prior to a classic against the Clippers. Um, Your impressions of what he had to say. Uh, I know he talked about going into luxury tax. He talked about the Bones Highland situation, a few other things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I asked Calvin, you know, was the trade for Thomas Bryan and the addition of Reggie Jackson, was that in response to KD coming to the West, to Kyrie coming to the West, and he said, kind of, he allowed that it was a little bit that of looking around and seeing that the landscape got a little bit scarier, but it was also kind of uh, burnishing their, their already very strong core. Uh, like I've said this before, but Calvin, I know this is his first year, but he very much recognizes that this could be their best chance at a championship um we've seen how fickle this can be the last two years they were robbed when Jamal was hurt and couldn't play you are immediately have your legs cut out from under you going into the postseason so given that everybody is, is is relatively healthy three quarters of the way through the regular season this is go time calvin was like we're gonna be as aggressive as possible the bones trade was addition by subtraction he didn't say that my words but what he did say that was pretty revealing um he he confirmed, essentially what I reported, he said that it was unfair to Jamal Murray to stagger bones with Jamal and have Jamal have to play the lead defensive guard. He, he, frankly, he brought up a Minnesota game, a Minnesota matchup where Jamal had to guard Anthony Edwards, you know, of this, of those two Nuggets guards. And that is a, I mean, that's pretty glaring. And he says, when this is your, you know, when you are the steward of, tasked with bringing this team a championship, you cater to the best players. And Cal goes, I played with Dirk Nowitzki. I played with Gilbert Arenas. Um, I, th- I think he said, I played with Ray Allen. Like, you cater to the stars.
0: One of those is not like the others.
1: That's fine. That's fine. But Calvin's point is that he's been in the locker room and he knows you have to cater to your best players. Joker, he went out and got shooters and defenders. Jamal Murray, you need to put some defenders around him because you asked so much of Jamal... Um, on the offensive end, Bones isn't that. So Cal took a hard look and he said, "You know what? Even though this is a cost-controlled guy with a ton of potential and fans love him, he's not helping our bottom line."
0: But is Reggie Jackson that? He's not. not he's subtracting. not subtracting. He's not known for his defense. He's
1: not. He's not. But he's not subtracting either. And it's not. And, and we already saw what the market was for Bones. Uh, two second-round picks so after you,
0: they torpedoed it on their own.
1: Did not do themselves any favors. Uh, to your point,
0: I would say. Um, defensively, if the idea was we need to improve defensively, I'm not sure that really happened. I, I mean, it, it might have been incremental.
1: It's, That's fine. That's fine. But, but what they did you You're do, still
0: leaning on Bruce Brown, and you're still leaning on KCP and Aaron Gordon. And those basically are your three-plus defenders, right?
1: Yeah, but what they did do is they removed some question marks off the bench in the front court is it Vlatko, is it Jeff Green, is it DeAndre, is it Zeke who, you know, has been injured for several weeks with this shoulder strain? No. It's going to be Thomas Bryant. That's going to be your big off the bench that we trust. Lot, also
0: not a great defender.
1: Not a great defender, but a ton of energy off the bench and can like he can be an impact offensive player. I think he's had recent games of 30 plus, which is pretty stunning to get him um for Davon and I think three second round picks. Correct. So, you know, the idea that you're probably not going to be able to keep Thomas Bryant heading into this this offseason. The reason why he wanted out, if you remember, the day before they had just traded for Jared Vanderbilt. So his minutes, his role. Oh, and didn't he look good against Dallas Dallas on Sunday? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. Uh, it is it is funny to think back on that trade. Malik, Vando, um, and I think they got uh, a – and they ended up recouping a first-round pick for it. And Wancho, old friend Wancho. Yes, Wancho was sent in that trade as well. So, um, you're right. I don't think they demonstrably uh, aided the defense, but I do think they addressed some questions. that, Like, in terms of ball handling off the second unit in the postseason, you trust Reggie more than you trust Bones. You trust him more defensively. Maybe he's not a plus defender, but you trust him more defensively. And you alleviated some questions in the front court. So, I mean, they're already, they were five and a half games up. You know, with the trade deadline, they, they marginally improved. Cool. What else were you expecting? Did you think that they were going to go get KD? This was already like everybody well, needs I think, to come for them. This I is think, not a team that they need to, you know, further distance themselves.
0: Sure. But wasn't the talk that they were going to go after defenders? They were going to try and improve defensively. And I, again, I'm just saying that really didn't happen. They, I'm not saying they got worse, they just didn't do the thing that supposedly they were setting out to do
1: yeah because they thought they could get a lot more for bones and that didn't happen no no it did not
0: all right so next topic we're gonna to go back to our our guy nicola he uh the espn mvp poll i believe three quarters three-quarter poll mvp poll has him way ahead i think like 77 percent, something like don't that.
1: don't you love it when a media outlet subverts the nba's uh you know awards voting. Don't we love that? I'm for it. Okay, I I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I'm not. Certainly, sometimes I uh, I fudge my votes in, in an event to uh, in an event to throw people off the scent. Oh,
0: okay. Well, <laughs> with that in mind, at least um, the,
1: tho- the thoughts crossed my mind.
0: Were you Were you at all surprised by how big the margin was between Nikola and Giannis?
1: Not really. No, not even a little bit. No, not really. Um, hmm. Joker, look, we were, before we recorded, we were talking about this, before we started recording. Um, Joker has surpassed his previous two years. Uh, he's putting, to be, putting together his best season of his career, You know, s- overcoming the past two MVP years. Cool. That's on an individual basis. He's going to be the third player in NBA history to average a triple-double. Cool. You want it in a team construct? Well,
0: we're not sure about that one yet. I mean, he's... He's right on the edge, right? Okay,
1: now. Right, okay fair. He's uh, on pace, too, uh, joining Oscar and Russell Westbrook. Um, you want it in a team concept? They're five and a half games up in the West and, and created a pretty healthy distance between themselves and Memphis. Fine. Um, that's it from a big picture team perspective. You want it elevate his teammates, Bruce Brown having a career year, KCP having a career year, Aaron Gordon having a career year, Michael Porter Jr. making good on his max contract, and Jamal Murray playing, I mean he's averaging almost 20 points a game. Nothing's career high yet with Jamal, but him and Joker are are, sort of getting there. Been struggling recently. But but on every single facet, and, and this is not speaking to your Giannis point, which I'm eager to hear, but on every single facet he is elevating the team construct. Um, doing it on an individual basis and doing it on a team. Um, Every single facet? Oh, are you about to go in on the defense?
0: Well, I was just going to say, I, I, would, I would push back a little bit on the defensive end. Okay. I think, I'm think i not saying he's a terrible defender, but I also wouldn't say he's a good defender. I'd say he's
1: average. Since December 18th, where do the Nuggets rank defensively? Matt Schubert, you tell me.
0: I'm going to guess seventh. Higher. Fifth.
1: Nice. Fifth. That's 35 games. That's not nothing.
0: They're 13th for the season, I believe.
1: Yes. They're 13th for the season. Used to be 28th, um, and I you know, I have an article coming out this— But is
0: that, that, that's not Nikola Jokic that's doing that.
1: I was going to explain. I have an article coming out this week um, kind of getting into the defensive meat of what they're doing, and over the first two months of the season— this team was 25th in the NBA in opponent three-point shooting. Teams were knocking down 37% of the three-pointers. Cool. Last three months, it's less than 33%. It's the number one team in the NBA three-point defense. That's not Nikola Jokic. Fine. So you can poke holes all you want, but there's there's been a, 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 either communication improved, team-wide commitment, engagement. Something clicked where they were like, we're not going to compete on the level that our talent you know, should allow us to compete if we're not bringing it defensively. And for the last two plus months, they have.
0: I'm not saying they're a terrible defensive team. I'm not even saying that Nikola Jokic is a terrible defender. Uh, but if you're going to stack him up next to Giannis, and, and if I had an MVP vote right now, I wouldn't know who I'm voting for yet. Um, I think Nick Jokic probably is ahead of him a little bit. But at the same time, Giannis has been really good. And Giannis defensively is a monster. He is maybe the best defender in the league. And on top of that, he's averaging, I think, over 30 points and 15 rebounds.
1: We need some ad- objective opinions on this, uh, on this I, well, podcast. I,
0: I just, I, I think it's, I, 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 the margin is the one where I'm sort of taken back, like, wow, I, I think Nicole Jokic has been spectacular, obviously averaging a triple-double. We talked about that at the start of the season, if you recall. I recall. And I believe you had him for averaging a triple-double this season. I did. But, that being said, I don't think he's like...
1: Running away with it.
0: Far away ahead of Giannis. And the other thing I can't get out of my mind, and and you can hold this against me if you want to, um, Yoel Embiid gave him the business. (laughs) Yoel? Still gave him the business, whoever it was, and... I cannot get that game out of my mind. It was they, they were putting him on an island, and there was nothing he could do. And granted, almost nobody can do anything against Joel Embiid. Joel,
1: yeah, but like, I and I realize you weren't touting Joel Embiid's defense. Um, there, uh, obviously, his overall dominance is, is well documented. He wasn't he wasn't guarding Joker. Um,
0: no, they switched up, and yet that's the other thing that about that game that bothered me. They put a small guy on him. Small by NBA yeah, standards.
1: Yeah, yeah. PJ Tucker. PJ
0: Tucker. And he did not assert himself. And and to me, that was like, hmm, I see that. I, I think about that. Now, again, fantastic player. If you're listening, Nicole, I think you are a fantastic NBA player. I am just Matt, splitting don't, hairs don't, right don't now. Don't
1: humor yourself. My man does not listen to this <laughs> podcast. I just
0: think that. Um, that gap, I cannot. That gap just seems too big to me.
1: So I had an interesting conversation with Joker three nights ago. Uh, we were in Memphis. Um, they just got absolutely waxed. I think it was. I forget what the final score was. It's like
0: thirty points, I think.
1: Some, uh, uh, you know, if that wasn't the final score, at one point it was thirty plus. Um, and Joker and I were talking, and you know, I brought up, I brought up MVP stuff. Uh, I, I hate asking him about MVP. I know his stock answer. He hates. Receiving these questions. Um, But essentially, you know, Felipe Eichenberger was asked, Felipe Eichenberger, the Nuggets trainer, was asked what he thinks Joker thinks of the MVP. And Felipe said that Nicola does not uh, like really appreciate the MVP because it is indicative of individual stats and individual numbers. And I asked Joker that point blank, and he said, yeah, that's pretty much true. Um, And the other thing he said, somewhat unprompted he said i didn't ask for this and i you know i'm like what are you talking about and he's like i didn't ask for whatever level of criticism there is whatever level of of undermining whatever level of of people poking holes at him he's like i i played and i was awarded this in in no world did i ask to be put under this microscope um and
0: to which i respond look at your bank account nicola
1: all fair that's all fair. But, you know, he, like, I do wonder to what degree the the criticism reaches him because we know that he doesn't pay attention to this stuff, in theory. Uh, but somehow it gets to him. And somehow he's heard enough where he's like, I just don't get it. I don't understand why.
0: Hey, nobody's trashing Nikola Jokic. It's the same stuff we're doing here where we're, we're talking about three or four amazing basketball players. Right now, the NBA has got a ton of talent at the very top, and especially big man talent in a way that they haven't had pretty much since the 90s. And when when I'm talking about Nikola and I'm saying, I'm just saying, well, he's just not as good of a defender, I'm not saying it's a bad basketball. He's a fantastic basketball this, this, player.
1: This, yeah, we speak in absolutes here. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and and I think that like the things that I hear about Jokic, uh, if there is any criticism at all, it is on the defensive end. Um, you know, he's not a shot blocker and, and you think a big man should be a shot blocker. I think traditionally that's what people think, but he does get in passing lanes. He's smart. He has positioning and he's a good rebounder and rebounding is half a defense ish. Right. So I think in his case, maybe the offensive stats are just so overwhelming that it doesn't matter. Um, and he's just so you know productive and efficient that like who cares, right? I think that's the argument, right?
1: Well, when you look at uh, the fact that four of the top five p- spots across the NBA in terms of plus-minus are occupied by Nuggets players, right? Um, it is relatively easy to make that argument that the offense is overwhelming. And I think and Jamal is like thirteenth in the NBA. So you so Joker's number one,
0: and he's the hub
1: of course he is. KCP's number two, AG's there, and Porter's there in the top five. I think Tatum's the only other one. So it's just the argument that he lifts everybody up is just ever-present. Um, defensively, by all means, poke is. Giannis is hands down a better defender, more impactful two-way player, fine. But um, somehow the Nuggets have learned to work around the Joker construct defensively. And it's working for them.
0: And a credit to Calvin because he went out and got the perimeter defenders to kind of make it work, right?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Cal, like, I mean, I will never ever forget this. Um, last, I think it was the the press conference heading into last year's playoffs, and Calvin said something to the degree of, "You don't need to watch basketball for five minutes to know that all you got to do is put shooters and defenders around Nicole Jokic." and look at what he went out and did in the offseason. Yep, yep.
0: it's fantastic moves. Just to uh, wrap it up on this before we move on, uh, Giannis is actually averaging 31.2 points and 12 rebounds. That's pretty good. 5.4 assists, not near Jokic. Um, Last thing on Nikola, second-to-last pick at the All-Star game. Clearly, if we cared about winning, that's not what's happening. He's not getting picked. But if we care about awesome dunks, and all the you know flair that goes with the All-Star game, then eh, I guess that makes sense.
1: I am pretty confident that Jokic cares about perception. Um, and, I, you know, I think it – look, <clears throat> I absolutely do not think he was trying to disrespect Lowry And He did not know that Lowry Markkinen was also sitting on stage, which is kind of hard to believe. But we'll allow it. Maybe he's in his head. Maybe Joker's in his head. He's like, you know, what do I gotta do? I'm the two time MVP. Maybe if I'm the three time MVP, maybe I'll go sixth next year as opposed to seventh. Right? But yeah, the all-star game is not meant for him. That being said, you know, I I think he I think it I think he was in his mind like, man, okay. If you if you watched him closely, he like walked up on LeBron, thought he was the last pick. He looked a little sheepish. He was like, well. I guess I'm the last one here, guys. It's like you're playing dodgeball, and you're going to get the guy who's, who's the biggest target, you know? And maybe that's why he's the last pick. But look, but I, I watched Joker closely in the All-Star game. He excels at inbounding the ball. He excels at setting screens. He just runs from free throw line to free throw line. It, the game is very clearly not for him. Um, and if he's going to get disrespected like that, in his mind disrespected, maybe he just fakes an injury next year, takes the four or five days off, Everybody wins because then in that in that case he still gets the All Star nod, but he doesn't need to go through all, the whole charade of the weekend.
0: Do you, How do you think he? And maybe I get a break too. Yeah. What What do you think of uh, his embrace of dealing with the reporters and all that stuff that goes around the All Star game? Is that something he enjoys, or is this like maybe the worst thing in the world?
1: No, I mean it's not the worst thing in the world because none of the questions are any good. Like it's not hard, mine included. Like I don't know what to ask Nicola for a half an hour straight, let alone for five minutes straight. Um, I I really don't think that like I you know, I asked him, what is the worst part about being, you know, a celebrity being in this spotlight? And he goes, he, he said dealing with the media. Um, and it's because he has to answer the same questions over and over again. He said he thinks it'd be a lot more adequate to just talk once every week, once every two weeks, somewhere in that vein, which like to some, there's some validity to that. I'm sorry that, I mean, if, if he wants to talk less than uh lobby Adam Silver, for fewer games, but when you're having, when you're averaging a triple double and you're putting up 40 point triple doubles. Your opinion kind of matters when the team is winning. So I think that he just indulges it. I mean, eventually he's asked, um, do you care about MVP? And he goes, yes. And you know, everyone's kind of taken aback. What are you talking about? Why did you say yes? Because the pre- the previous seven times I said no. And, that, and that's his stock answer. Like he has fun with it. Um, at some point he looked at me, he was like, like he was asked the same question over and over again. He's like, Mike, Mike, this is why I don't like, um, you know, the media and do, cause I just see the same questions over and over again, to which I responded, Nicola, what's your favorite horse? <laughs> because he'd already been asked that question two times in the prior <laughs> 10 minutes. Uh, and I think Nicola appreciated that. So look, I commiserate with him on some level, but I'm also like, Nicola, check your bank account. Um, you are the face of this team, the face of the number one seed in the West. And whether you like it or not, this is part of the responsibilities that come with uh, being the face of a franchise is, is people want to hear from you, regardless of if you're ornery, regardless of if you're tongue in cheek, you're sarcastic, you're annoyed with us. If we ask stupid questions, um, raises my hand. Um, sorry, dude. You know that, that, That's being a superstar in the NBA. All right. I don't know if that's what you were asking. No,
0: no. I'm, i It was pretty much exactly what I was asking. So, um, last thing before we get to some Twitter questions uh, from Mike, the people from the people from Mike Singer's followers on Twitter. Um, I wanted to ask you about Michael Porter Jr. Um, he has been pretty darn good of late, um, and had a big shot against the Clippers the Couple. other night. And he, it seems like. The way it's going to break up here is he's going to have to hit big shots for this team to move on, right? That he's going to, they're just they're picking their poison and he's going to be the guy. What if what do you think of the developments of the last month and, and what that means for them going forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was funny cuz I asked Jamal, "Do you feel like there's room in the in the closing uh duo of you and Joker to invite Mike into that?" and he was like, he kind of scoffed at the question. He was like, "It takes five guys to win in crunch time." I was like, "All right, thanks Jamal." But the point is, is that is that uh, MPJ, his progression, man, it is so impressive because we we used to clown on him for his um, how stiff he was, his inability to move, uh, whether it's it's obviously not. You, you, you're, you, you try to be sensitive when there's injuries involved and you're like, to what degree can we can the team count on you? Well, the only time he's missed this year was due to the heel contusion. It had nothing to do with drop foot, had nothing to do with back surgeries, anything like that. It was a heel contusion. It was painful for him to, to play basketball on. Okay, fine. Um, I think he's played in 45 of their 64 games, um, You know, shooting 40 plus from three, 17 points a game. He's rebounding five or six uh, boards a night. But it's more so the fact the per, the progression is that he was talking about after the Clippers game that defenders are flying out on him so fast uh closing out him on uh, closing out on him on the three point line so fast that he has just started blowing past them and driving to the rack and it's like oh man I'm a 6 foot 10 giant who can also finish inside through contact and I can fall and I can still get up I'm not made of glass so like I think it's almost like the Nuggets, Malone, his teammates are unveiling, almost like an onion, unveiling each new layer that Porter has in his game. Um defensively, he's 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 competing, which is all you can ever ask of him. He's and, made
0: some big off-ball plays in games that I've watched recently. Yeah,
1: like the rotate like it's it's it was always awareness and effort with him. It was never an inability. You know, it wasn't just like he can't do that. It was awareness and 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 can give a damn like and he finally he's there like he he is completely bought into his role um like you know the the uh I don't know if you've seen some of these post-game videos where the Nuggets have um have started going the Mike 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 Mike, Mike which is very much just ripping off of Finding Nemo and I think that there was a question whether Mike uh liked that or not and To me, when I watch those videos, first of all, I asked him, and he said, yeah, it's dope, but he might have been lying. Um, But when I watch those, he's smiling so genuinely that he's just like, all right, if they're going to clown on me, I'm cool with that because I'm within my team construct. I'm comfortable. These guys ride with me. Um, And Calvin Booth said it best, man. He's playing up to his contract, which like – You can live with what happened last year, the third back surgery, when he wasn't making $30 million. But now that he's making $30 million and they need you, he's delivering. Yeah.
0: Availability, I think, has always been the big thing with him. Um, So, all right. Mike Singer, he sent a tweet out into the world asking for your questions. And as always, you all responded in kind. So we're going to go through here, do some of these questions. And uh let's see. Let's go. What do you want to do first? I,
1: I was waiting for your Aaron Gordon question. I thought you were
0: I I, I think there might be some of that in here. Okay. So, okay. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um all right. Let's go with Ryan Freemeyer at R Freemeyer. Who is the most dangerous team that will be in the play in tournament?
1: So I mean, there's a chance that they could see the Warriors. I think, as of today, the Warriors were the seventh seed. Yep. Um, don't love that. Defending champion, first round, you know, theoretically. Steph Curry in a playoff. Yeah, we don't love that. Um, you know, the Pelicans have been, have struggled a ton the last month. They've been terrible. For sure. But if Zion's right and Brandon Ingram's right. That's a
0: two really big ifs.
1: CJ McC- That's fine it's a really big if if Kevin Durant's, you know, right. Like injuries are a big if, but talent wise, the Pelicans kind of scare me because they're long and they defend Joker well. Um, and um, so, I mean, it's not going to be a cakewalk. The West is loaded. So, I mean, talking, so I, I think you definitely have your guard up um, with the Warriors, but I don't know what their the most difficult route is. It might be, Warriors, Pelicans, second round Suns or Clippers, which is a brutal 4-5. I think everyone has their eye up over the Clippers. I mean, as well as the Suns, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then you may have to go to Memphis, you may face Memphis in the conference finals. Uh, you know, to me, I think that they kind of want the Kings to drop to that four. Uh, maybe you 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 get the Kings in the second round, maybe you push that Suns series off from the conference finals, maybe that's ideal. But this is going to be grueling. I know that the Nuggets are not scared. Like, I've talked to players about this. They're not scared of any of these guys. They think that when completely healthy, they can win. They can beat anybody in front of them. Um, You know, and and I think that 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 same mindset is pervasive amongst like the front office as well. But the whole question of, you know, maybe there's more high end talent in Phoenix, but their depth is they they traded that to Brooklyn. the defensive players and Cam Johnson and Bridges. They are
0: not the defensive team that they were. They're
1: not the defensive team. And uh, the Nuggets are the number one three-point shooting team in the NBA. So that'd be an interesting uh, wrinkle. Um, And in terms of, like, you know, what do the Nuggets pride themselves on is continuity and uh, cohesion and chemistry. This core has been together for five years. Uh, If I'm, I'm talking Mike, Jamal, and Joker, you added A.G. to the mix, um, and he's been around long enough now to where you're like, okay, he's a key component too. The the other guys you added are seamless fits, and KCP and Bruce Brown. So um, you trust that. I mean, this is this is what team building is. You trust that as a mid market, um, that all the efforts that you've put and and the regular seasons that you've put in those those nights and those practices carry more weight. Than a late season acquisition that could conceivably put you over the top. So I, you know, I know that the question was about the play in, but I, I think that just looking at across the board, um, they feel confident. I, I know that they feel confident going up against anybody.
0: If I were them, I would be just hoping Utah falls to eight. That's that's the one I want. And comes out of the play and yeah, yeah that, okay. that that they they get them in the first round because I feel like that's a walkover.
1: Uh, also, I was—I think I was looking at this yesterday. Um, we have the potential for a Minnesota-Denver first-round series. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying Minnesota right now. Okay. I—I I, I said they just... we have the potential.
0: <laughs> they are Minnesota-New Orleans. If LeBron didn't just get injured, I would say that the Lakers would somehow sneak in. But now, are you
1: scared? Are you scared of the Lakers team with a healthy LeBron?
0: With a healthy LeBron, I think it's like a really tough six or seven-game series. But the Nuggets win. Okay. Um, I just Lebron is too old. He's you know too beaten up. Uh, you, you just don't know what you're getting from Anthony Davis uh, night tonight. But that being said, like the guys that they added around. Big
1: ads. Vando. I,
0: I really love Vando. He was so good in that Mavs game. And also, by the way, the Mavs. Oh my
1: God. That's twenty-seven points, Luca.
0: Can you just shut up and play basketball for a little bit? At that, that guy, Bad. I'm sorry. He just that dude is the, such a whiner, and it is it is tough to watch sometimes.
1: When you're playing pickup, you're not a whiner.
0: Well, we got our producer here, Aaron Taveras. He can speak to my level of whining. He doesn't
1: need to speak. I know you're. I know you're of the grit and grind, uh, Zebo Tony Allen model. <laughs>
0: yeah i I think i'd be like a bow outlaw um to take it back to the 90s um okay so next question alec Gwynn. love alec Gwynn. what are some of the hardest parts of being on the beat
1: how much time do we have
0: we got about five minutes
1: um it is it is exhausting that that like i mean i felt it in my bones um waking up Sunday morning at 5.45, hopping on a flight out of Memphis to get back to Denver uh, for the Clippers game that night, the back-to-back. And I, I realize that the players fly private, and they get out of town immediately. It's hard for me. I can't even imagine what it's like to play that night. I slept the whole day. Um, I'm just – I'm exhausted. So it is, it is a constant um, maintenance of planning, of um, – head on a swivel, trying to get stories, trying to get access, trying to do interviews, trying to set up stories for the weekend, trying to, um, you know, relationship maintenance, then scheduling the flying. Like it is an exhausting, uh, role that, you know, I, I appreciate the question because it, I, you know, I don't often pull back the curtain and, and share, um, what, what are the difficult aspects? But it is, it is tiring. And it's funny because I have like kind of an ongoing bit with Chris Marlowe. He goes, singer did, uh, ha- any travel issues? And I said, no, Chris, I'm fine. He likes to give me a hard time and it and it's fine. Um, you know, I don't mind it. So there's definitely like a badge of honor when you're traveling and it's, and it's commercial and it's, you know, difficult and all, all of that stuff. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't take its toll. Um, that being said, I think the Nuggets have one game in the next five days. So I will be, uh, unplugging for a little bit. And my backup, um, Patrick Saunders will be handling the Memphis game on Friday. Um, and I'm anticipating a long, long run, uh, going into May and June, potentially June, um, that, that the Denver post is going to have to, uh, figure out how to navigate all, all hands on deck.
0: Luckily, uh, Mike Singer has some great editors behind him to uh, to support him with all of his needs and everything that he wants.
1: Dude, I'm not a needy guy. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm okay.
0: Um, all right, let's see. we got time for one more question. What do we want to do? What do we want to do here? Do you think Jamal should be more cautious this season? For example, he's playing back-to-backs and his knee flared up before the All-Star break, and then he played back-to-back right after that.
1: I don't know that that's necessarily Jamal. I think that the team needs to intervene. Um, I mean, when you're having right knee inflammation, that is alarming. That screams of overcompensation. And I, just
0: because just he injured his left knee.
1: Because he injured his left knee. And, you know, I kind of I have been thinking about this, and the idea that there's never a back to back in the playoffs is. A hugely advantageous for the Nuggets. And so Jamal, I'm sure, will, will do everything he can to be available for all those games. Um, but you you don't want him on the descent, right, going into April and May. You want him fresh. And so, you know, there's only 20 games left in the regular uh, – maybe 20, 21 games.
0: Yeah, it's right around 20, and, and they have a five-game lead, I believe. Yeah, last and injured.
1: that it's five-and-a-half, and that buys you some leeway. Um, I am – I am taking the decision out of Jamal's hands. I'm, I am resting him. Um, I would rather him kind of play his way into a bit of a rhythm as you build up towards the, the, the final week or two of the regular season. Um, then, then have him be in a rhythm, but have him be exhausted. I, I think that he should probably sit maybe five or six of these games, at least certainly no back to backs. Um, because it just doesn't mirror what the postseason looks like. So I think they need to be extremely prudent and cautious with Jamal. Uh, you know, he popped up on the injury report with, with right foot inflammation and then ended up playing 41 minutes in the Clippers game, which it's a lot, you know, also throughout that game, he's dealing with uh lower back pain that flared up. So like nobody is disputing whether how hard Jamal works or, you know, whether he's tough or not, but, he also – it's a forest through the trees type thing. You've missed two straight postseasons. Ensure that you are – you have your—you take your best shot when it comes to it. You don't want to be backing into a playoff series against a scary one seed or a, or a scary eight seed in that first round. So I think that they need to be um, – treat him with white gloves. Not that he needs it, but that you are going to insist on it. I-
0: Is there any concern at all with Aaron Gordon, too, about that going into the playoffs, giving him more rest? He had to put on a lot of miles in the first part of the season.
1: Yeah, he told me, you know, he's just coming back from that rib contusion. He missed, um, I think, five games with the rib contusion, miraculously went from out to available within a span of three hours. Uh, And I asked him about that, just like he and I BSing. And he goes, "Um, yeah, watching uh, the Grizzlies hand it to us, uh, that healed me up real quick. (laughs) He did not love and, – and, and I was like, like you know, what what's it like sitting out? He's like, man, I hate it. I hate sitting out, especially when his team's getting waxed like they did in Memphis. They have a chance to respond this Friday. Um, AG's back. And he's going to wear a brace around his um, his midsection, that rib, uh, and he gutted it out. He definitely looked like he was playing through pain in the Clippers game, but um, he, he told me straight up it, it's not going to get worse. Um, I imagine that there's a caveat to that. If somebody barrels into him or elbows him in the, in that midsection with that, that left rib contusion, but, um, he's, he's gutting it out. I mean, it's kind of at the point of the season where everyone's gutting it out. Um, and maybe they, you know, maybe they do need to intervene if it has the potential to get worse, a la Jamal, but, um, for now he's good. And, uh, this is, as healthy as they've been going into the postseason in several years. Well,
0: let me tell you, as somebody who recently suffered a rib contusion, it's not fun. It's not, not fun, especially when you get hit on it over and over again.
1: That, that's why they call you Bo out loud.
0: <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I think that's
0: going to do it for us today. Nuggets Inc. podcast, sponsored by Nobody. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, download wherever you get your podcasts leave a review five stars tell the truth with the review lie with the stars mike singer i appreciate you joining us you're off to florida sunny florida for uh, a little mini vacay
1: little vacay have fun thanks man turn around